Welcome to SNC's podcast series, SNC Critical Insights. Today, Frank Aquila, Global Head of M&A, and Keith Pagnani, Co-Head of our Healthcare and Life Sciences Group, discuss industry and regulatory trends related to health insurers that will shape healthcare M&A in the coming years. Clearly, one of the most discussed topics during the election in 2020 was healthcare and the various candidates, first in the Democratic primary and then in the general election, approached healthcare. Clearly, we're seeing that with the pandemic, healthcare is one of the most important topics to Americans and American business. Keith, in the insurance you know, providers and services segment, I know you've been involved and certainly have seen deals from all types of players, big and small. You know, what are you seeing in those sectors and, and what should we be anticipating? Yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right. I, I think one of the most noteworthy trends that we've seen in healthcare that's sort of exciting and worth talking about over the past several years has been this, this convergence, uh, which has been accomplished principally through vertical mergers. Prior to this trend, we saw for the most part, traditional horizontal tie-ups where uh, which brought direct competitors operating in the same business together in a merger. Uh, so think of a large health insurer buying a smaller health insurer, often just in search of inorganic growth or cost savings. We're now witnessing this wave of vertical mergers uh, that involve really a combination of two entities not operating in the same exact business, but in the same, residing sort of in the same general healthcare ecosystem but at different levels of the supply chain. So think instead of uh, health insurer buying health insurer, it's health insurer buying PBM or pharmacy benefits manager or a hospital buying a physician practice. And, and if you think about it up until this point uh, uh, of this convergence trend, the healthcare industry remained a really siloed place. On the one hand, you had your payors. Um, so think of your private insurers, your governmental payer programs like Medicaid and Medicare, and you had the private companies that were administering those plans as well. They were doing their own thing. And on the other hand, you had the payor or the uh, providers. So we're talking about docs and hospitals and pharma, PBMs, uh, medical device companies, labs, all, all, of these, all of these different lines sort of separately operating. And then the patients and the insurers sort of caught somewhere in the middle. Um, and all of this resulted in a pretty separate and, and disjointed uh, pieces of the puzzle, if you will. So now, as I say, we're increasingly seeing these, these tie-ups that combine companies across the healthcare spectrum. And these vertical deals, I mean, I don't, we would not have imagined them happening even 10 years ago. So I'll give you a few examples. Uh, CVS, obviously retail pharmacy and, and, and a huge one at that and with the PBM itself. Buys Aetna, which is the third largest health insurer. Cigna the fourth largest health insurer buying Express Scripts, which is a PBM. And then you've got United Health Group, which is the largest health insurer in the country through its Optum unit buying uh, Catamaran, which is a PBM and DeVita Medical Group, which is a collection of physician practices and care facilities across the country. So very much an all across the industry unsiloed approach in these deals. And if you step back and you say, well, geez, what, why, why is this happening today um, I think there's several drivers that we can, we can point to. Um, the low-hanging fruit one would be, and, and I think the easy answer would be, look, after years of consolidation in the health insurance industry, 
these, these players are pretty antitrust constrained, which is absolutely true. We saw the government uh, just a few years ago put the brake on two mega deals. We had Aetna and Humana attempting to merge and uh, Anthem and Cigna trying to do the same and they were blocked. But I think the real story and the one we're talking about is following the passage of the ACA or the Affordable Care Act back in 2010, we, we began to see this paradigm shift in the industry away from what has historically been a fee-for-services model in healthcare to shifting more to a value-based care system. And uh, under, under, to the level set, under the, under the fee-for-services model, providers, you'll recall, were being reimbursed by and large for the quantity of the services that they were providing, regardless of whether or not the service actually improved the patient's condition or overall outcome. And that, that model created really flawed financial incentives and drove healthcare costs higher. So the, the idea to shift away from this fee-for-services to this value-based care model, it's an effort by payers, including the government, which is, which is the largest payer, uh, to financially incent good and effective and most importantly, coordinated care. So under the new model, providers are going to get reimbursed more uh, based on the quality of the care that it's providing, based on the outcomes that it's, that it's producing. So a payer is going to get more, pay more to a provider if they can demonstrate that they're coordinating care effectively. And by that, I mean promoting preventive care, uh, actively monitoring patients to avoid the very expensive hospitalizations and worse uh, hospital readmissions. And, and, and importantly, I think the, the, the focus is on avoiding dupl duplicative uh, procedures and, and, and services, basically trying to eliminate waste. And again, under the fee-for-services model, Providers have no incentive really to avoid these duplicate tests and services and quite the opposite. The more waste, uh, the more providers would pocket. So this newer value-based approach to care, again, an effort by the payers to produce this holy grail. We're talking a lot, a lot about holy grails today at healthcare. And that's really three things. One is reduce the cost of, of healthcare. Two, produce better patient outcomes. And, and three, uh, achieve greater overall patient satisfaction. So in the new model, we're going to incent all of this, this good behavior to manage care, to try to get you this holy grail. And that's why a more integrated healthcare entity across the industry has got a better chance at reducing costs and properly managing and coordinating care and producing those better outcomes. If you think about sort of the, the general integrated theory, uh, a healthcare entity is going to be much, much more powerful and able to accomplish some of these some of these very important tasks uh, if it's operating across the industry and not just in its silo. So when I think about other reasons these, these deals are happening, of course, cost reduction like, like traditional mergers is always a huge driver of these deals. For example, if you think about a health insurer or a hospital acquiring these so-called delivery assets, so physician practices, uh, by doing so, what are they doing? They're containing and they're controlling their biggest expense, which is the cost of care. And, and, and look, heft and leverage is another reason we're seeing these deals. Uh, when you see Cigna and Express Scripts come together or CVS and Netna, you know they're going to have the ability to exert greater leverage in negotiations uh, with, with pharma companies and uh, presumably be able to better drive uh, savings and, and, and cost reductions from, from those companies and theoretically drive down the, the, the overall cost of healthcare. And finally, I think these vertical mergers 
The other thing that they're doing is they're increasing patient touch points across the healthcare continuum. Uh, and that's helping what are otherwise pretty low growth and low margin businesses like health insurance find additional customers to serve. And I, I just, I feel like it's, you know, we're, we're in the early innings here. And I think it's fair to say that we're gonna continue to see more of these sort of convergence type deals as the pieces of the chessboard keep moving. And, and one of the catalysts for, for this and, and the, the evolution of all of these, uh, what's taken place in healthcare over the past 10, 15 years tends to be driven pretty heavily by, by the White House. And we saw it in the Obama administration and we saw it in the Trump administration trying to pull back on some of this. So we, we, we certainly anticipate the Biden administration. We've already seen in the early days the Biden administration trying to get us closer to accomplishing what, what the Obama administration was trying to accomplish through the ACA. So I think more to come. Thank you for listening to SNC Critical Insights. For more information about our practice, please visit us on the web at www.solcrom.com. Mm-hmm.